0: He me
1: identity is signed, sealed, and delivered in you, Jesus. And Jesus, you are the king of our heart, and you're never going to let us go. Your word says you will never leave us nor abandon us. And so, God, we just share back to you that truth, and uh, we are so thankful that you are God and that we are not. And so, I pray we just rest and find peace and truth. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Church, good morning. Say hello to those around you. We're glad you're here. Guys, alive in this place? Can we make some noise for Jesus? Yeah, God is good. All right, here we go. Okay, so first hour struggle a little bit. Let's see if you're a little bit better. So God is good all the time. Man, we got a winner. Second hour, you guys are rocking and rolling. This is good. Oh man, this is great. So I am just going to share a few things with you this morning. If we pass the friendship folders. That would be fantastical. I invented a word on Sunday morning, people. You can mark that down. Um, but a few things I want to share. One, we have the first week of December, the Christmas Dessert Theater, and it's going to be Welcome to Bethlehem. This musical stage play is going to be fantastic. Beth Petro would like to talk to some people that are interested in joining the choir. Right, Beth? So would you come talk to Beth at the Welcome Center? We're looking for people to join the choir for this musical, and so she can answer questions. Even if you're like, I'm not exactly sure what this is, she's the gal you want to talk to. So Beth will be at the Welcome Center, and we are looking for people to join the choir for this Christmas dessert theater. It's going to be fantastic. I'm super excited. A couple things after that. um, On October 30th, we're having our Trunk and Treat. And so it's 6.30 to 8.30, and there's two different things I want to share with you. One, sign up online. You can do that. It's free. Sign up for what time slot that you're going to come. Um, There's 6.30, 7.30, and 7.30 to 8.30. That way we can get everybody in. Parking, we have enough, and it's safe, and everybody can have a lot of fun. And I'm sure there will be plenty of candy. Um, But you can sign up for either one of those time slots. And then also we're asking people from our church to, to jump in and serve. And so you can uh, sign up on our website as well um, to bring your car, your SUV, your truck, and creatively decorate it and help us as a church um, be the hands and feet of Jesus by handing out candy to those uh, who come up on October 30th. All that information is on our website. Um, you, can, uh, you can check all that out there, but we're just encouraging everybody. There's, a, there's probably about 10, 10 to 12 slots left uh, to uh, sign up to bring your trunk. So, fantastic job, everybody. So, make sure you, if you want to do that, you can sign up on our website. Men, mark your calendars. November 2nd, uh, we're going to be meeting up at 10 a.m. over at Top Golf in Bridgeville. Not much more to share than just come and hang out with us and connect with other guys here at Crossroads, whether you're great at golf or you're not so great at golf. It's a great opportunity to connect. And so, that's going to be November 2nd at 10 a.m. over in Bridgeville at Top Golf. Guys, we are so thankful for this place. And we are wrapping up a series called DNA, What Makes Us Unique. And so I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward this morning as we receive this offering. And this series has been, has been really great because it's just reminded me of the uniqueness of our church. And how thankful I am. And just watching God do what he does every single week. From kids to students to adult groups to just things that are random opportunities that we get to privilege of being a part of outside this church god has got a plan for this place and i couldn't be more thankful to be here so as we continue on this morning um, if you're new with us please feel free to let the plates pass us for those who call this church their home um you're welcome to participate but um guys it's it's so good to be with you and let's go lord as we continue on jesus we love you and uh in this moment i'm just so thankful for everyone here god for those watching online uh, for those who have been here at the 9:30, those who gathered with us last night um, for Saturday night, and God just knowing that there's so many different things happening in everyone's life, and some of us are rejoicing because we're sitting on the mountaintops, we're finding peace, and some of us are are just not sure uh, what's happening in life, and we're struggling. And so I just am so thankful that you meet us, Jesus, where where we are at, and I pray we would just rest in that, um, knowing that you understand us. You know the hairs on our head. You know when we get up, when we go down. Your word says. And so, Jesus, I pray we would lean on you more this morning. We uh, we give now with a cheerful heart to see lives changed by you, Jesus. We're thankful that you've given us this mission and that we are uh, ever on mission. Keep us on mission. And as we continue on this morning, we open up your word. God, I pray you would just meet us and challenge us and uh, uh, just empower us to go do that which you've called us to. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us in your name. Amen.
2: to be here this morning. Let's thank our great God. What a great, great God we serve. Amen. Great time of worship this morning. And as we continue, we're on our series DNA. What makes Crossroads special? What makes this church what it is today? And, you know, as you think about all churches have a personality, all churches have have a have a function. All churches have different passions. And uh, there's something that makes Crossroads unique. There's something that makes us a special place. And as you start to look at that and you start to find out what makes Crossroads this special place, we've been looking at the DNA. The DNA of our church is that we're a giving people. We're a generous people. And as we are generous, we give, uh, not just to the church, but to the community around us. And I've been hearing many stories even this week of our people out there and their generosity making a difference and changing people's lives. Um, We we talked about the fact that uh, you're important to God, you're important to us. What matters is you. We're we're not about trying to fill a seat, we're about trying to change a life. And as you see lives change, that's where the dynamic changes. That's where everything changes because of who you are in Christ and now you you have this new vision for your life. So today we're going to pick up with this and I, I want to share this with you because we believe that God made you for a mission that is bigger than the church. Okay, we believe that you made, you were made, God made you for a mission that is bigger than we are. Um, so, you know, you, we have we come up here, we spend an hour on Sunday, we spend an hour on Wednesday, hour and a half on Wednesday night, which, by the way, Wednesday night is like a whole new energy. It's just so exciting to see this place filled with people. Uh, there's people all over the place. The parking lot looks like Sunday morning on Wednesday night. And uh, we're thrilled about this new move that God's doing because he's taking people closer to himself. And people are coming into a growing relationship as they do. They're moving and taking the next steps of growth. But God made you for a mission that's bigger than Sunday and Wednesday. It's bigger than just an hour. It's bigger than what you do in serving here at the church. And as we look at that, I want to remind you, last week I said that tithing was the training wheels of giving. I want to encourage you that serving are the training wheels of your mission for life. When you come in here and you serve at the church, and man, I want to thank God for all the people who serve in our church. We have people all over this church that are giving of their time and, and serving everybody from... Parking lot. We have a faithful crew out on the parking lot every Sunday. We have people that are faithful in our children's ministry every Sunday, every Wednesday. Our youth ministries, our men's group, women's group, life groups all over the place. There are so many people that are serving. And folks, those times that we're serving, we're growing and we're building our faith so that we can go out and change a world for Christ. So God gave us a mission that's bigger than we are, and I'm going to go to a passage here this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and as you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 14, but we're going to end, we're going to head towards verse 17, which many of you know. Many of you have probably memorized verse 17, but I want to give you a little bit more of the picture. I grew up, I memorized 2 Corinthians five seventeen. 17. Uh, if any man is in Christ, let him become a new creature. Old things have become passed away. All things have become new. I memorized that. But I want to open it up this morning. And I want to take it and give you a little bit more of the depth of what he's saying here. Pretty powerful. He says, for the love of Christ compels us because we conclude this. That if one died for all, then all died. And what he's saying here, he says, listen, we are compelled. The love of Jesus compels us to the mission that God has given us. We are compelled to what he's about to say here. He says we are compelled because we understand Jesus one died for us. And if he died, then we who trusted him, we have all died with him. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, your sin was paid on the cross. He paid for your sin once for all forever. And he did it on the cross to pay for your sin. And that is the life changer. That is the game changer right there. Um, He says the love of Christ compels us because we conclude this, that if one died for all, then all died. Verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died So that you will no longer live for yourself. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Like, I thought it was all about me. The Apostle Paul here is saying, listen, if your center of the universe is you, if you're putting yourself there and it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me, you're going to be miserable. He says, you have come, he has made you to live for God. This is this is why we exist to live for God, not for ourselves. We should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, he says now from here on, we don't just see you as somebody who's temporary. Uh, we just see don't just see, see your flesh. We see something that there's something more. There's something bigger to the picture. It's your eternal value. It's your eternal state. You are somebody that is going to live forever, forever, either in heaven or in hell, the Bible says. So we want to be able to look at people through the eyes of eternity, even though we have known Christ, according to even though we've seen Christ walking in the flesh on earth yet we know him like this no longer. So in other words, he says, listen, we know that Christ was eternal. We know that there's something more than the, the time we spend here on earth. And so as we look at that, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we, know, we don't know him like that any more longer. Therefore, now this is powerful, based on what he just said here, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. And, you know, when I heard that verse, I was always taught that that means, you know, you're, 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 the, your desires are going to change and you're going to have different. You're not going to act the way that you used to do before and, and all these things and almost like a set of rules and regulations of Christianity. And that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is not talking about some sort of rules and regulations that we are assigning on to. It's talking about the fact that you are now in Christ and you are a new creation and he just told you how it would be new. He says, you no longer live for yourself. I no longer live for myself. Why would somebody want to live for themselves? Well, because that's how we've been taught. That's how we've been trained. We've been trained to look out for number one. And who's number one? Me, right? And uh, and so I want to give you this thought this morning. You were made to live for Jesus. Like, Jesus brought you to Himself. He He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He brought you to Himself so that you would live for Him no longer for yourself. No longer would your selfish motives, with everything about you, making you happy. That is not part of the picture. He says, I want you to live for Him. Which, by the way, when you live for Him, you're happier. And, and, and it's almost, it's, it's kind of like, you know what, I, I set out to make myself happy, to do these things for me. And God says, listen, set out to do these things for God. Set out to live your life with the filter of looking through God. Like, what, what, what does Jesus want from my life? Uh, I'm a new creation. Here, here's the concept. Old things have passed away. You are a new creation. Before you came to Christ, you were spiritually Dead. You weren't like spiritually in a bad state. You were spiritually dead. You was nothing. And Jesus died. He paid. When Jesus died, your sins were nailed to the cross. And when he came back to life, he gives you the opportunity to become spiritually alive. So when you trust Jesus as your personal Savior, you are now a new creation. There is something that wasn't there the day you were born. Check it out. That's why Nicodemus went before Jesus, and Jesus said, you must be born again. In other words, there must be new life. Jesus, God, must make you spiritually alive. So there's a dimension of me. There's a dimension of you. If you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, there's a dimension that is new. It is something that was dead and you are now alive. And, and and the Apostle Paul says, listen, you are no longer to live for yourself. So what does that mean? I, I think about this. When we live for ourselves, okay, we live for ourselves when we seek pleasure, gain, or reputation as the priority of life. You know, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. I think everybody should 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 take a good vacation. I think it's great. If you can do it, that's wonderful. Um, But there's nothing wrong with pleasure in itself. But when pleasure becomes the priority of my life, that's where I'm putting my selfish desires. And what happens is we begin to make every decision, everything we do is through this filter of, what will I get out of it? Oh, I don't like that. Uh, You know, and that's where this whole consumerism mentality comes along. And so we have to come, we have to put God at the center, and we have to say, okay, I'm no longer living for my personal pleasure. How about gain? There's nothing wrong with having a good business, nothing wrong with uh, making good, making a good living and, and, and producing wealth. I mean, the scripture tells us, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. So God has given you this. He has produced this in you that if you would, uh, that, that, that he's given you this ability to go work and to gain. And so if as you do that, I want you to remember, gain is not bad, but when gain is the motivation of your life. Like all decisions come through this through this lens of gain. God says, no, I want your decisions to come through the lens of honoring me to like living for the one who died for you so that you may have eternal life. And so so how about how about reputation? Man, I know people, that get so crazy over their reputation, like they wouldn't dare want you to think this or that of them. And so reputation and what happens is they begin to build an image and, and then what happens is it becomes a false image, really. It's an image of something that they're not, that they can't keep up. And so then they always have to keep this image up. And, and they found out that you only like this image. And, if, if you, and as soon as they let this image down, you don't like them anymore. And, and God says, listen, you know, what? when you're living for yourself, all those things take the priority of your life. God says, I want you as my new creation to have a new priority. To have a new life. You are new in Christ. You are a new creation. I have made you alive. And therefore, I have given you a new set of responsibility. I've given you a new set of, uh, of priorities in your life. And so as we begin to look at life, you say, wow, I don't want to live for myself anymore. We live for ourselves when we don't care for others and when we, we don't take regard for others. You know, uh, the world we live in right now is is, uh, you hear everybody fighting and standing on what they think is right. The island of me. And it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And then we begin to not like the person next to us. And we we don't like the person who's different from us. And so that can be all things from racism to creed to just likes and dislikes. And so all this, you know, Jesus didn't have an ounce of racism in him. Jesus didn't have an ounce of uh, of, uh, of unlove towards somebody who was not like him. Which, by the way, none of us were like Jesus. He was perfect. None of us. He came and he loved us with an unconditional love. So as we come in and we see that he loves us with this unconditional love, he says, I want you to not be self-centered. And I I want you to have care. I want you to have regard for other people. That's uh, This is the dynamic change. Uh, We live for ourselves when we turn our eyes away from the needs of others. You know, when when you see a need, you want to meet a need. And I think sometimes we become overwhelmed because we can't meet all of the needs. You know, as I look at the devastation in the Bahamas this year, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with that hurricane that just came there. And, and like for us, it's easy. We can change the channel. But I know many Christian ministries that are in there right now, and, and they, are, they are on the ground. They are they're helping people rebuild their lives after, after this horrible devastation. And sometimes we think because we can't help everybody that we can't help anybody. So I would encourage you to help those that God tugs on your heart to help. To look at the need and and to at least be compassionate. To at least pray for others. You see what happens when we are about ourselves. The needs of others don't matter. I'll never forget years ago. Um, you know when, when I was uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know I, I told you the story before. I had a twenty dollar bill in my pocket. And, you know it's very rare for me to have cash. My wife doesn't give me cash on a regular basis. It's not, it's just, you know why she doesn't do that? Because I spend it, right? And so I, I had cash on me. It was a $20 bill. And I'll never forget, I, can, I was in a parking garage. I was over in Squirrel Hill, and I came out of this parking garage, and there was a homeless person sitting there. And I had this $20 bill in my pocket, and I'm like, okay, God, that guy probably scamming. And I walked away. And I just felt God tugging in my heart like, Hey, if he's scamming, that's up to me. I told you to give that twenty dollar bill to that guy. And I'm like, I got this twenty dollar bill. I'm like, God, my wife has only given me a twenty once in our marriage, please. You know what I mean? It's like, God, you don't understand. Oh, he understands, all right. She gave me twenty dollars. Like normally I get a quarter. You know, it's like I got a twenty dollar bill. And so it's like burn a hole in my pocket. I was thinking about where I was gonna have ice cream on the way home. And and I put that twenty dollar Bill into this guy's hand. And I'll never forget, I walked away. And as I walked away, you know, I had all those thoughts. Is he scamming? Is he this? Is he that? And you know what the lesson that God was speaking to me about? It didn't matter if he was scamming. God was talking to me about letting go. God was talking to me about not being selfish. Like, I was really that arrogant to say he ought to go get a job. Or he ought to do this. Or he ought to do that. And you know what? God was chipping me down and saying, Hey, Ken, you're a new creation. I want you to live for me, not for Ken. And so for me at that moment, the tangible thing that I had was a $20 bill. And I put that into his hand. And I walked away and cried. Because I was becoming more mature in Christ. And it's painful. And it was a struggle between me and God. But I'll tell you what. That's what he says, your new creation. You see, before, before Christ, this part of me is not even alive. It's just like trying to do a good work. This is not, I'm not trying to do a good work. I'm saying, look, I'm caring. I see a human sitting on the ground. I think I ought to care for them. Uh, we, we live for ourselves when we seek our own desires over the desires of Christ for our life. You know, this is, this is really really a tragedy because uh, many times people will come and they'll say, yeah, I'm a Christ follower, and they'll be a, a follower of Christ until they find something in the Bible that they don't like. Like God God's Word is pretty powerful, in it, and He says all kinds of things in His Word about how to honor Him, how to live for Him. And they're okay with love your neighbor, but whenever it says that you've got to change your lifestyle, I have to forgive my neighbor. They say, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. They walk away. They walk away and it's like, really? Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He gave you eternal life. He made you a new creation. And now you're saying, I disagree with That chapter there, because it means that I'll have to change. It means that there's something in me that will have to result in a different fashion. That I will have to live according to a different mean. And this is the new creation, folks. You are no longer living for yourself. You're living for the one who died for you. And so the one who died for me, it doesn't matter what he asks. I'll do whatever he says. And folks, that's the, the life I want to invite you to. It's more than an hour on Sunday. It's more than a devotion every day. It is coming to Jesus and is surrendering your life to him and saying, OK, God, it is not my desires. And God, I come to this passage and this passage tells me to forgive. Lord, I don't want to forgive because I'm right. there wrong. God says it doesn't say that. That's not what I said. I said, forgive. Forgive, let this thing go. And so that's just one example. As you go through this scripture, there's so many things. As we talk uh, talk through the things of God, we look and say, okay, God says, all right, let go. Keep letting go. Keep letting go. And like I said yet last week, you don't grow until you let go. And so when we let go of things, this is when we begin to grow. And so we're a new creation. Old things have passed away. The old me that was self-driven, that has passed away. I am now a new person, and I have new life. Um, look at this verse here, Revelation 4:11, "Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. That verse includes you. You were created. To live for God. You were created for God's pleasure. Would you turn to your person that you're sitting with and just say, You were created for God's pleasure. Go ahead tell them that. You were created. Okay? Now turn to them and ask them, Have you ever thought of yourself like that? Go ahead. Have you ever thought of yourself like that? I'll tell you, I don't often think of myself like that. I have to be reminded of the truth of God's Word. When I wake up on Monday morning I don't feel like anybody's pleasure. <laughs> I feel like oh I don't want to do this today. I feel like life is hard. I feel like I don't want to get out of bed half the time. God says I was created for God's pleasure. And when I get that when I when I when I get that right, like you know what, I need I need to like post this on the ceiling above my bed. So when I first wake up, that's what I see... I was created all things were created for his glory for his pleasure by his plan by his will we exist it is him who has done this and so god you've given me this desire because i'm a new creation in christ and i get to live i get to go and function today on monday on tuesday on wednesday i get to function 24 7 because he created me for his pleasure Continuing on in our passage, 2 Corinthians 5.18, he says, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And God has given us this ministry of reconciling people to him. So this is pretty powerful. This is a gift from God. The fact that you no longer live for yourself and live for God is a gift from God. The fact that he died on the cross, he rose again, it's a gift from God. You cannot earn it. You do not deserve it. It is his gift. And so at one point, he says that that he has brought us back to himself through God. And God has given us this ministry of reconciling people to himself. Verse 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Power. God is doing a ministry of reconciling people to Himself, not counting their sins against Him. Now, check this out. Here's what reconciliation is I'm the enemy of God. I've offended God. My back is totally against Him. Not only have I offended Him, I'm His enemy. He's holy. And I have vagrantly, uh, flagrantly sinned. I have been wicked. I have done against the holiness of an almighty God. And here's what we think. Reconciliation is just not, okay, you're no longer going to hell. Reconciliation is this. You were the enemy of God. Not only are you no longer going to hell, but you are the friend of God, and He invites you into daily fellowship. No longer holding the sins that we have committed against Him. That's reconciliation. And the scriptures say here, the bigger mission of your life is the ministry of reconciliation. We get to go out and we get to help other people find that their sins will no longer be held against God if they will just humble themselves and trust him. And we get to come over here to the enemies of God and say, listen, you, I know your life is far from God. I want you to come back. I want you to come to Jesus. And, and, and this is the, the powerful. He says, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's our message. That's what God has given us. So we are Christ ambassadors, verse 20. We are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Oh my goodness, this is so powerful. How did God plan his ministry of reconciliation to bring dead people alive? How did he plan the enemies of God to come back to him through you? Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the sin. You know, and I've said this before God could have written in the stars, Jesus saves. And in September, it could have come across in English, Jesus saves. And October, it could have come across in Spanish. And then November, it could come across in Russian. And in just each month, he could have put a different message up there into the stars. But you know what he chose to do? He didn't do it that way. He chose something more powerful. He chose you. More powerful than creation. You know, creation itself, the Romans says, bears witness that God is who He is, but He has chosen you for the ministry of reconciliation. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead come back to God. And folks, I want to, I want to encourage you. Go and share. Tell people what you know. Share your story. Tell them about how great God is. You know what? God will give you the boldness. For, uh, for it is Christ who speaks through us. When we speak for Christ, we plead, uh, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Be reconciled. Come unto God. Verse 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be sin for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. Man, this is so powerful. God has given us this opportunity. Verse 20 says that we are Christ ambassadors. You know what an ambassador does? An ambassador represents somebody else. Uh, The ambassadors for the United States that go around the world, they represent the United States. They represent our interests. They represent our government. And many times they represent the President of of the United States. If you've seen the ambassador, you've had a direct contact. And that's what God does for you and I. You are a direct representative of God. When you go to work on Monday morning, you are a direct representative of God. You're his ambassador. Now, check this out. You represent somebody else. I've got to just share this with you. The other day, I went to my physical therapy because I got, you know, trying to figure out this leg thing. And I had, like, shorts on. I put on a pair of shorts because that's what you do at physical therapy, right? You know? And I had a t-shirt. And I went to physical therapy. And I, it's like two hours of torture. You know, I did all that stuff. And then then I I went like three or four other places. One of them was I stopped up here and I met with some people. We we had a funeral here yesterday and uh, this was on Friday. So I stopped up and I was meeting with a few people getting ready for this funeral. And and then I went went back home around 5 o'clock. And my wife goes, she looks at me. She goes, where did you go? I said, here, here, and here. She goes, you didn't tell them that you're married to me, did you? She saw that I was mismatched. Like, you know, I I told you about this color thing before. Well, she didn't lay it out that morning. She was gone. So I took matters into my own hands. Let me tell you what I did. Whatever's next in the drawer, right? So I put it on. And she's like, you didn't go in public like that. I said, yeah. I said, I went over there and I'm, I'm working out. Now I'm kind of wondering why everybody was chuckling at the workout, you know? I'm like, they're all, I thought I was humorous with my jokes that day, you know what I mean? it was, it was humorous with what I was wearing. I didn't need much else, right? And I was like, she's looking at me. And I said, yeah, I stopped up to the church and we were talking to these people. She goes, you went to the church like that? Okay, she was, it was mortified. You, you know why? Because I represent her. I represent her. She's like, please, please don't do that again. You know, it's like it's major ordeal. It's why she loves me, but I'll tell you what—I represent her whenever I go out. I am Ken Barner, the husband of Rhonda, and whenever I go out there, she sees that. And may I share this with you? Wherever you go, that's what you do. You are the ambassador. You represent God Almighty. You represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so, wherever you go, if you're living a selfish life. You've given the wrong representation. Because that's not who he is. You've given the wrong representation. And so God says, listen, you are his ambassador. You, that they've seen you, they have heard from God because you're living this life out before them. So let us take this thing so seriously that as we go and we live, we are new creations. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We are no longer about ourselves. Uh, you know, as you start to think about this and you start to wonder, where do I go? How do I do this? I mean, like God has given you a mission. God has given you a calling on your life. And so I want you to think about this, because when you hear the word calling, it's like it's a big word. It's kind of scary. But listen, God has given you a calling and he wants you to go out and he wants you to be his ambassador. And you say, well, how do I be the ambassador? You go to work on Monday and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and 24-7, you're an ambassador for God. And this is the high calling that He's placed on your life. And listen, God has placed each one of us where He wants. Look here in Acts 17, verse 26. For one man, I'm sorry, from one man, He made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And He determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. It was no accident that I grew up on 1340 Arkansas Avenue down in Dormont. No accident that I learned the great dialect of Pittsburghese. And that. There was no accident. Listen, God placed me down there and he, he equipped me. He, he, he let me grow up eating Tom's Diner Gyros at closing today. It's a heartbreaking situation. Forty years that place has been around But listen, he placed me in that neighborhood, and that was part of my formative years. And then God places me out here on Norman Avenue in Finleyville, and I've been in that house for 24 years. It was our starter home, and now it's going to be our finish home. I think it's going to finish me. All right, but that's where God placed me. And guess what? It's like, God, I'll bloom wherever you plant me. And so God's placed me there it's like man I'm I'm just growing and I'm an ambassador for God and so are you. And so God has places he he has determined the time set for them and the exact places where we should live. God did this verse 27 God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. You know God has a way of getting people's attention. God places you, he places me, in the places that he wants us to be. Here we are and we're living in this land. And God, you know, we get all excited about going on a mission trip. You know, we're we're right now talking with Ecuador. We'll be doing a mission trip next summer. But I want to tell you something. God wants you to go to your neighbor. God wants you to go to the person that you work with. God wants you to go right where he has placed you and be his ambassador God has a powerful way of getting people's attention, and as He does it, uh, He helps you to come to Him. And so God has placed you in your neighborhood. God has placed you with the people that you work with, with, that you interact with, so that you could live out His ultimate purposes. And as you begin to live out His ultimate purposes, you get to see uh, how that you are His ambassador. And look at this, This is so powerful. First Peter two nine says that you are a royal, you are royal priests. He's talking to every believer. Every believer is a minister. Every believer is a minister. You are a priest, a royal priest, the holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. This is God's plan for you. He's called you to be a priest, the royal priest. Turn to your neighbor. Hey, nice to meet you, priest. Where three of you are awake, come on. Listen, you are a royal priest. Every member is a minister. It's not just something that that the person who has the position Listen, every, it says every member, every member of the family of God is a priest, is a, is a minister. I like what Mark Batterson says about this. He says, no matter what you do, you are a priest first and foremost. You certainly have a job to do, but you also have a calling to fulfill. And we'll talk more about calling in the days to come. But catch this, because God has placed you in the places that you are because he has a calling on your life. And that calling is bigger than your job. It's bigger than the things that you can see. It is to be an ambassador for Christ. If you are a Christ follower, you are part of the royal priesthood. That means you are a priest. You are a priest entrepreneur, a priest athlete. A priest entertainer. A priest politician. A priest coach. Your portfolio is your pulpit. Your company is your congregation. And that goes for your team, your class, or your organization. Now, as we are the priest of God, every one of you have a mini-congregation out there. Every member has a mini-congregation. I want you to think about this. How many people... Can you count that you know, that you interact with on a weekly basis? Just sit there for a minute and think about this. For some of you, that may be three, maybe five, maybe 25. So I came up with this average. On any given weekend, there's roughly about 500 people that come to our church that call this church their home. And and I just did some simple math. If you did 500 people... And they all have a... many. They're all priests. So we have 500 priests. 500 ministers of the gospel, right? So not a full-time pastor, okay? I'm talking a full-time minister. Like 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You're ministering. That's what God's call... That's His calling on your life. If you take that 500 times 10, and we'll just be very conservative. 10 is a good average. Because... We have some introverts. You'd say, man, 10's a lot. Maybe you have three. Maybe you have one. Then you have some extroverts who have 40. But listen, God, God, that's how God does. God gifts us all differently. So we'll use an average of 10. 500 people here times 10. Between now and next Sunday, we're ministering to 5,000 people. Well, do you catch what God's calling us to do? Do you catch the DNA of Crossroads? It's not about who's here on Sunday. Yeah, we're excited that you're here. We come, we gather, then we grow, and then we go. And you know what? There are are people that are not here today that are out on their go this morning. Some of them are on, on football fields, on cheerleading places, on in soccer fields this morning. And that's where God has them for such a time as this. And they are making a difference in our community. They're going to practices on Tuesday night, on Wednesday night. And this is what God does. He has a calling for your life. He wants you to be His ambassador. He wants you to be the royal priest. That's what God's called every member of the church to do. I want you to jot down a few things here. I want you to go home today and think about this. I want you to look at the roles that you play in your life. Okay? The roles. R-O-L-E-S. All right? That is uh, like, you know, I'm a dad and an uncle. I'm a father and a husband. All right? So write down your roles because with those roles, there'll be people that you'll be impacting. So uh, the role of me being dad and husband. I have the greatest role in my life. That is the greatest role. Is to impact my wife and my two kids. There's nothing greater in the whole entire world. Doesn't mean there's nothing else that you do. It means there's nothing greater. Okay. So I impact them, um, and then I want you to think about this: not only your roles, but your talents what what are the things that you enjoy doing like like uh, what, what what comes naturally to you what what are the things that are are fun for you some of you like to fix cars and then i would write down fixed cars like uh, you can restore classic you know restore cars and all that stuff like that mechanics and and you, you you look at the things that you like to do maybe it's sewing maybe it's whatever you write down your your talents there write down your passions Think about your passions. Like, what are the passions that God has given you? Some of you have passions that, honestly, I don't have. Some of you are very passionate. You could go up and sit in a nursing home and you could sit and talk with people. And that, you could do that one day a week on your way home from work and you could play checkers with some people in a nursing home and shine the light of Jesus there. You're very passionate about caring for elderly people. Other people are very passionate about feeding homeless people. You, you want to go out. You want to make a difference. Uh, other people are very passionate uh, about making a, n- no child being without food in our community. Uh, we, we're, we're, we're raising things here for the homeless. We're raising things for the blessings in a backpack. All these things because somebody has a passion. And, and, and so go, go begin to write down those things. How about your hobbies? What is it that you enjoy? Like, um, you know, maybe you like to golf. Can you imagine? You're on a golf course for two hours. That's a long time to talk to somebody about Jesus. And so God gives you these opportunities. And and it's like these are the the places that you can go. and, And these are all the places that you're living. Your roles, your talents, your passions, your hobbies. And then I want you to make another list. And I want you to think about where do you work? Where do you study? Some of us, that's a former tense, right? Okay. Where do you study? Those of you that are in school. Teenagers, what? Your, I want you to think about your school as your mission field. Uh, college students, where, where do you study? That's your that's your place. Shop. Where do you shop? Where do you eat? Where do you play? Listen, whenever I go down here to Giant Eagle, I'm there for an hour. It's like, it's you know, and I come home with five things. Only one of them I was supposed to get. It's just the way it goes, you know. You go in there and you start talking to people. I go down here, man, uh, down to the Dollar General down the bottom of the hill. These people know me by name. Because I'm always the last guy in there. That's why I come down here at the end of the night. And, and they, they've gotten to know me. And you know what? You know what's happened? God oozes out this conversation. And it's like, look at the places where you work, study, shop, eat and play. What do you do for fun? Where do you go and, and just enjoy it? Some of you love to go to the gym. And you work out five days a week at the gym. What if you declared yourself the chaplain of the gym? I'm not declaring that. What if you declared yourself the chaplain of Planet Fitness on Pizza Day? What if you declared yourself that, like, like, I don't, I'm not saying you go in and you wear a t-shirt, chaplain. But you went in there because when you go in there every day at six o'clock, you see the mostly the same people. People are routine and they go in there mostly the same day at six o'clock. What if you declared yourself that this is your mission field and you started a church in Planet Fitness? That's what God's called you to do. You're a holy priesthood. Oh, you don't have to have communion down there and take an offering and sing three songs. You get to sweat. You get to be with people where they live. And you get to talk to them. And all of a sudden, the conversation of Jesus comes up. And you say, I realize why I'm here. What about while you're coaching your kids softball and your kids baseball and your, and your kids soccer? What if God placed you there so those people could come to the almighty King of kings and the Lord of lords? What if we could start to see what Jesus said in his word, what Paul was talking about, that we are ambassadors, that we are the royal priesthood? What about your job tomorrow morning? Oh, I don't like my job. No, no, no. I didn't ask you if you like your job. What if you could see life in a bigger picture? What if you could see that God placed you in that company, in that cubicle, to reach those five people sitting right around you? As we close this morning, I want you to go home. I want you to write all that down. I want you to write all these down, and I want you to look at it. And I want you to begin to look at where God is using you. And what's the calling he's placing on your life? The calling is to bring people to Christ. We're all on the same mission. But you know what? God's going to call some of you to Planet Fitness in Bethel Park. He's going to call some of you to Planet Fitness in Washington. He's going to call some of you to the Ringgold High School. He's going to call some of you to Bethel Park High School, Finley, uh, or South Park, all these places around here, Baldwin, all these places, this is where God's called you. Now tomorrow, when you go there, can we start to see, wow, I have a purpose, and it's bigger than hearing a sermon on Sunday. And it's bigger than helping out at the church for another hour. And it's bigger. And it's like, God, you saved me and you brought me unto yourself so that I would no longer live for me. That I would no longer be thinking about me when I go to work, but I'd be thinking about you. And I'd no longer be thinking about me whenever I go to here and when I go to there, but I'd be thinking about you. God has reconciled you unto Himself. You are no longer the enemy of God. And He wants you to go out. He wants you to transform a community. Some of you will transform three people. Some will transform 50 people. And we give all the glory to God. But I want you to think of our church. Not as this church of 500 people. But this church that's reaching five to 10,000 people. Because that's what God's doing. And it's so big. And we'll never know it till we get to heaven. We get to heaven one day, and we'll see all the, all the relationships that God built. We'll never fit all the people up here that God's working in your life. Because it's bigger than any building. And it's bigger than any place. That is the DNA of our church. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I invite you to Jesus. First of all, if you're here and you say, Pastor Ken, I've not been reconciled to God myself. I am a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. I want to invite you to Jesus. And if that's you, just pray something like this to him. Just pray, dear God, I come before you and I need you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And God, I invite you into my heart right here, right now. Thank you for reconciling me. For not just forgiving me, but making me your friend. And for others in this place this morning, would you pray to God about your calling? Would you take those things I ask you to write down. Your roles, your passions, your hobbies. Where do you work, study, play? Write them down. Go home and pray over them. There's churches. There's congregations that are out there. They're yours. They're not Ken's. They're yours. They're Dan's and Chrissy's and Jim and John and Sue and Sally and Dan and Amy and all you people out there God is just working in all of your lives and he has chosen you he's placed you at that job you didn't want to work at so that those people might find Jesus wow he placed you with those neighbors that are not like you so that you could represent him oh my goodness would you just lay that at the feet of Jesus let's go out see what god will do father i pray you'll be with each person in this room god as we scratch at the surface of our calling lord this is bigger than we are it's bigger than our church it's bigger than than what we can even understand or comprehend but thanks be to god who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think so god i'm right now commission your ministers here lord As we go out, we walk out of these doors, we're entering the mission field. The mission field of our families. The mission field of our recreation places that we play. The recreation of the restaurants that we eat. These are the the mission fields that you are sending us all to. God, I pray you will empower each one of us, Lord. And we will give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together today. And as we are dismissed, I just want to encourage you, greet each other. God bless you. You are dismissed.